You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last week, you heard about the power and the efficacy of God's Word, the fact that as your Lord speaks, He accomplishes exactly what He desires. His Word succeeds against the devil, the world, and the flesh, and it does not return to Him empty. And so St. Paul also writes, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now this is wonderful and comforting instruction. And it also proves that there is no such thing as having a pure doctrine of the word without also, and at the very same time, having a pure and complementary doctrines of grace and faith. In other words, the three solas of the Reformation need to exist together, not by themselves. Otherwise, they prove to be quite useless, both for telling others what it means to be a Lutheran and also for your Christian comfort. And so think about it. When we talk about the, the Scripture alone or grace alone or faith alone, Uh, we do so only to set them apart from their sinful corruptions, right? For instance, when we say Scripture alone, we say Scripture alone is sufficient to teach us uh, all things concerning God in doctrine and in life, uh, not Scripture plus plus, uh, experience or tradition or reason or something like that. And so we say uh, it's faith alone that saves, not faith plus works that saves us. And then we insist... That grace, which is God's smiling face upon you, is never to be mingled by what you deserve, either by your works or by what you think belongs to you by nature. Now, despite all of this, there's this temptation to isolate and to, uh, and to absolutize the solas of the Reformation, to imagine that we can consider grace by itself, the word by itself, faith by itself. And so you'll hear your friends talking about a generic grace that keeps things sort of moving forward in their lives, right? They describe the invisible hand of a generic God that just keeps everything going. And that's what they think is grace. And so also you've heard, and so also you've been tempted by the devil and you've heard from other people that, you know what, the words of Holy Scripture can't really be equated with God's Word because I know that that God somehow speaks to me in other places, right? That He speaks to me in the depths of my hearts. And so it's also become fashionable, or maybe it's always been fashionable, uh, to think that a generic faith, regardless of its object or its content, is all that anyone needs to be spiritual or to be well on the way to heaven, you know? as long as you have a little bit of faith. But dear Christians, you know better. You know these abstract versions of grace, the word, and saving faith are neither from God, nor do they save. And just because someone claims to be spiritual doesn't mean that they have something that you don't. You know true grace, the lifted countenance of the Lord, for the sake of Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection. Anything else is merely an attack upon the glory of Christ and the sufficiency of his work. There is the word of God clearly set forward 
and preached by the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament, and anything else is a counterfeit word that leads people astray from where God promises to be. And finally, there's true Christian faith that alone rests in the promises of God's grace, set forward in the same Scriptures. Anything else is a misplaced faith, and it's certain to fail. Now, this is probably a very long introduction to today's text, but it's important that we realize the necessity of having Scripture, grace, and faith always together. Because I'm sure that you noticed today that the Scripture lesson in the Holy Gospel was divided up into two parts, right? In the first section, Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection. And his disciples hear it, and what do they do? They, they don't listen to him. They, do, they don't believe what he is saying. But then in the second section, you hear about blind Bartimaeus, who was saved by his faith. Now, what do these two parts have to do with one another? The fact is, you can't have Bartimaeus' faith without also having the writings of the prophets and the content of everything that they preached, which is the death and the resurrected life of Christ. And it's by the Holy Spirit work through these scriptures that Bartimaeus insisted upon crying out to Jesus in faith. And when the crowd tried to silence him, he wouldn't let them. He begged impossible things from Jesus, and he was glad to do so. And in the same way, Jesus wanted to hear his begging prayer, and he was happy to hear it and to answer it, just as he desires to hear your, your begging petitions and is also happy to answer your prayers. Now, you have to realize that at this point in the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus has his eyes firmly set on Jerusalem. Twice before, he, he told his disciples what to expect when, when he got there. And then again, when he drew within 20 miles of, of the gates of Jerusalem, Jesus preached the same sermon again, even if he knew he was preaching to closed ears and to minds that had been calcified by the things of this world. Jesus said, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon, and after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And just with the previous two times that Jesus had preached the sermon, the disciples heard it, but they did not believe. So St. Luke writes, But they they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. In many ways, it turns out the disciples were very much like the people of Israel in the Old Testament lesson, right? They were limping between between hearing the word of God in faith and chasing after the things of this world, the things that they could reconcile with their reason and their strength. Now, it's easy to set our minds on the things of man when we hear about a God who who suffers the shame of a cross, even unto death. The world would tell us, how could the almighty creator of heaven and earth submit himself to death, let alone to die naked, bearing flesh 
and then to die on the cruelest implement of mortal torture ever imagined. Jesus can't possibly mean what he says. There's got to be some sort of deeper spiritual meaning behind his words that ultimately saves God's glory and his honor from the stink of humanity and from the defeat of death. So far, the preaching of human reason. But Jesus never minced his words. And he spoke clearly and plainly about what would happen about his death and his resurrection, just as Moses and the prophets proclaimed the same exact thing. Moses preached the serpent would crush, or the seed would crush the serpent's head. And by the bruising of the seed's heel, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Nathan proclaimed that the seed would be from David's own flesh and blood, and yet at the same time be the divine Lord of heaven and earth, even from before the foundation of the world. The prophets promised that the heart of salvation history, Jesus' incarnation, his birth, his humility, his death, resurrection and exaltation to save sinners and the fury of God's wrath. It's all there. It's all there. You know, it's easy to think that somehow uh, the Testaments are divided up in this way. There's the Old Testament, which is the not-Jesus part, and then there's the New Testament, which is the Jesus part, right? No, absolutely not. Old Testament is Jesus promised, and the New Testament Is Jesus here and working for you and promised to return yet again? It's the same preaching. Now, even if the the disciples couldn't understand or grasp the simple sense of Jesus' sermon, that doesn't mean that Jesus' words were hidden from everybody. Because a blind man saw more, it turns out, than all of the disciples because he, he heard the preaching of the prophets, he heard the preaching of Jesus, and against reason, and against a mindset on the things of men, he believed. Now, Pastor Wolfmuller and I love to quote this from Romans chapter 10, and it's worth repeating again here. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, being blind, there is no way that Bartimaeus could ever have seen Jesus' face. Uh, He could never have seen the glory of Herod's temple. Uh, Or his brothers and sisters of Israel who, who, who worshipped in the synagogue, he didn't see any of it, right? But that didn't matter. Uh, because it's never the things of, that, that present themselves to our eyes that preach the gospel, but it's the voice of Jesus And this is the voice that Bartimaeus had grown up listening to, either when he had visited the temple or or had heard the preaching flowing out and the reading of God's word flowing out of the synagogue. It was the voice that he doubtlessly heard when Jesus had come through Jericho before, when he was preaching and teaching that God's kingdom is coming through repentance and faith. He heard all of the good reports That Jesus had done all things well. That he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and and he even raised the dead. These are the things that Bartimaeus treasured up in his heart. And so when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he had to cry out to Jesus. He had to cry out to Jesus, calling 
Jesus who he truly was. The long-awaited and promised and the divine son of David. Now to the crowd that was going with Jesus, that was passing by all the beggars on the side of the street, to anybody passing by, Bartimaeus appeared to be just another annoying beggar, you know, just another homeless person with his hand out looking, looking for something. But Bartimaeus himself actually knew better. He knew that he had a heavenly father who loved him, even to the point of sending his own son into human flesh. Bartimaeus knew that he had a God who was pleased not only to bear human flesh, but to suffer and to die for that flesh. Now, to the world, Bartimaeus was nothing, but to God, and by faith in his word, Bartimaeus was an heir of heaven. And all of the treasures that God could possibly give to men were already his. And if not in that life, then certainly in the resurrection. And so this is the kind of faith that Bartimaeus had. He cried out as a man who never doubted that Jesus would both hear his prayer and answer it. Even if the Lord's attention tarried for a while, or if the crowd ridiculed his petitions. He never doubted because he knew the kind of God that he had, who was more than happy to lay aside his glory to bear sin, death, and hell itself, just to save a blind and broken sinner. Now, as a man who had nothing to lose, he prayed, never doubting but firmly believing that Jesus wanted to hear him cry out to him, making a good confession, calling him the Son of David, that is, the Christ. And so when Jesus and Bartimaeus finally come face to face, Bartimaeus already knew that Jesus would give him everything that that he could ever, ever want. And Jesus answered him, not only at that moment, that he would recover his sight, but then he says something else. For whatever reason, the English text always translates this, uh, your faith has made you well, as if your faith is the reason behind your, the physical restoration of what you have right now. But it, no, Jesus is saying something about Bartimaeus from before the time that he even had sight. Jesus says your faith has saved you. That is, you have been saved in the past by your faith, by clinging to, to the promises of God's word, even as now, With your sight, you are saved by these same promises. All right, let's just stop for a second. Uh, No doubt you'll say to me, wait a minute. Bartimaeus got his sight back when he prayed. Why aren't my prayers answered in the same way? When I ask the Lord to, to relieve my pain, right? To ease my grief to take my debts away from me. What does that say about my faith? Nothing, actually. (laughs) Uh, it, It doesn't say anything. Don't you think also that Bartimaeus prayed for his his physical sight every single day? It didn't mean that he would obtain his sight that day, but he continued to pray, and he was happy to pray for his sight every single day because he knew his Father in Heaven wanted to give him that sight. And I said it before and I'll say it again. If not in this life, then certainly in the resurrection.
Do you think that he was, before that point, uh, before having his sight restored to him, that he was any less saved by God's grace? Or the truth of Holy Scriptures was in any way threatened? Of course not. And so I want you to hear this also. Uh, Bartimaeus' sight once again went dark on the moment of his death. So what does that say about Jesus' miracle? Uh, Does that mean that the Lord somehow goes back on his kindness? Does that mean that he had somehow lost his faith and therefore lost the gift that Jesus had given him? No. Because Bartimaeus had the same faith that you, dear saints, have obtained in your baptism, and that is a faith in resurrection for the sake of Christ. And so you know that even if you lose everything in this life, just as Jesus indicates will happen to those who follow him and bear the cross, you with Bartimaeus still have obtained all of the treasures of heaven, both physical and spiritual. You have forgiveness, life, and salvation. And you have a great hope in the resurrection that Jesus never went back on his word to blind Bartimaeus, just as he never goes back on his word for you. Only don't set your thing, your mind on the things of men and then expect God, Jesus, the, the, God, the grace of God to conform to the benchmarks of human reason, which always deny and attack both the cross in human life and, and the reality of resurrection. During this Lenten season, we're going to hear the Holy Scriptures. And we're going to hear the same instruction that Jesus insisted upon giving his disciples, that he must die, and that he must rise again. And so, dear saints, receive the Holy Spirit's instruction, and your minds will be set on the things of God, on a divine Savior who, who bears your flesh, who is crucified and who is raised. And this is God's grace for you. That's always for you, in blindness and in pain, and even at the moment of death, because your your faith is greater than these troubles and these attacks, because it's planted in your Lord Jesus, who has overcome all of these things just as you will overcome them in your own resurrection. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. 
Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.